Thank you, Mark. Yeah, and if you've, if you've never gone to one of those, uh, it's really good. Gives you such a worldview. And, um, you know, it's not a bad deal. Have breakfast and then come to worship. So think about it, all right? You know, uh, Brad mentioning going back to school. In Minnesota, we didn't go back to school until after Labor Day. Uh, that's the way to do it, you see. Finish before Memorial Day and begin after Labor Day. So I don't know if they still do that, but the good old days, you know. Ah, well, okay. How are you? Okay, all right. How are you doing with your memorization? Yeah, what? Memorization. They got the card, everybody? I, uh, we all did it together for service, and the guys came up to me afterwards and said, Steve, you know, you do some different. And I realized I memorized it when I was a kid in King James Version. And so I've got a little bit away from it, but now I told you, so how about if we say it together, all right? And don't follow me if I say it wrong, all right? Can you, you want to just say, those of you who've done it, got courage, going to speak out? Okay. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. For we created in for good works, which God. Very good. All right. Just checking. Just checking. You know, it's going to be hard for me to preach today with you guys over there, no else, on that side. And could you want to move over here maybe? Okay, thanks. I'm proud of you for sitting on the south, south side like that. Good, good job. Hey, you know I knew where you all sat, did you? You never sit over there, Wayne. What? Okay. All right. You know what happens to me every single time? I dig into a book of scripture for a series that I'm preaching through. I, I start studying it, and I'm not, I'm not into more than one or two sermons or first chapter. And, and all over again, it's like I'm, I'm in total awe, absolute awe, for how the Spirit of God guided the writers. It just blows me away. And it's, it's happened again this time in this series in Ephesians, and it's it's part of what I, I'm hoping that we can all see today, how, how it just flows and how the Spirit of God put the whole thing together. We've been talking about masterpiece, and I've given you some different examples of masterpieces. We've looked at the universe as a masterpiece. We've looked at paintings as masterpieces. We've looked at, 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 at buildings as masterpieces. The thing you've got to know, everybody, is the Bible itself is a masterpiece, it's probably, uh, you know, I would say in, in some ways it's a, it's, a, it's a masterpiece that God's put together that's as great as the universe itself. It's just absolutely incredible. And, I, you know, I, I get into a book like the book of Ephesians, and in some ways for me it's like, it's like stepping back and looking at a painting that's, that's, you know, just something that is incredibly beautiful and intricate in its detail, and you look at how it's all put together, and you stand back, and you're fascinated by it, and, and I, I find myself exactly the same thing, because what the Bible is, it's a written masterpiece. 
And in chapter 1, we saw this. In chapter 2, we saw it as how Paul wrote what he wrote. And, and, and just every part of it. You look at each word and each, each, each phrase and each sentence and, and how they just, they all, they all together. It's like the Spirit of God guiding the writer to say exactly what God wanted to be said that we would understand it. And, and even, even what comes first and what comes next, the, the whole sequence of thought, the truth building on truth, each one just, I mean, it's just like it's exactly the way God wanted it to be said so that you and I would be able to understand what a masterpiece we are. You know, everything that's true about us because of, of, of the grace of God and God's wonderful work in each one of our lives. And so I saw this in chapter 1, and I saw it in chapter 2, and then I, I, I get into chapter 3, and I'm going, it's like, wow, just like all over again. I'm just blown away by, by how God put this whole thing together. And, and it's like, boy, just the right time Paul said what he said. So I'd, I'd like us to see this today again. So... Here's what some biblical scholars think, and I, I think they're probably right. The Apostle Paul begins chapter 3. And again, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible, when it was originally written, wasn't divided into chapters. Okay, so But as Paul is coming here in, into the first verse in chapter 3, it's, it, some scholars think that he was, he was actually beginning to tell these people that he was going to pray for them. He, he starts off, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of your Gentiles. And some scholars think he's going to go right into telling them that, he, that he's praying for them. But it's like then he thinks of something. Something comes into his mind, and he, he decides to do something entirely different. And, and what happens is Paul thinks of the fact that, that, that he's in prison, he's writing this letter, and the people he's writing this letter to are, are very worried. They're very concerned for him. They're, they're, they're actually discouraged. And in some ways, they're taking responsibility for Paul being in prison. And, and so Paul thinks about this and he decides, you know, before I start telling these people I'm praying for them, I, I want to tell them not to worry. I want to tell them not to be afraid. I want to tell them not to be discouraged. And, and, and so then he starts writing about himself and about being in prison and how he sees the whole thing. What's happening? Why scholars think this is that he, he, he begins that first verse for this very, for this reason. And then if you jump forward to verse 14, he, he starts verse 14 exactly the same way. He said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. For this reason, I pray. And so they think that he, he was going to start out by telling them that he's praying for them, and then he thinks of their concern for him, and he stops and he decides to just write about himself. And the point he wants them to know is that he has no regrets whatsoever that he's in prison. None. In fact, very opposite. He's, he's thankful for, to God for the privilege He's thankful to God for the privilege because of everything it means in his own life and, 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 and all because of the grace of God. God giving him the privilege to be the very first one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles who, if you remember from last Sunday, were men and women who had been on the outside looking in. Everything that you and I have seen to this point in Ephesians, all, all that's true in chapter 1 and chapter 2, all the promises that we have in Jesus Christ, they had none of them. None of them. 
They were outsiders looking in until they heard the, <clears throat> the message of God's grace, and it was Paul who brought it to them, and he's now in prison for doing this, and he wants them to know that he, he is so thankful for the privilege. What I'd like us to see today is what I, I believe Paul would say to all of us if he could be here with us. And it's how I ended last Sunday's sermon. And this is the thing that's, that I'm, I'm hoping we'll all take with us as we walk out of this place today, and it's this. Insiders are not meant to stay on the inside, keeping all of God's blessings for themselves. That's you and me. We're not meant to stay on the inside. We're to get, we're to go to the outside to reach out to people who are on the outside to bring them inside so that they can experience everything that comes with the grace of God. I want us to walk out of here today with that in our minds. And, and the other thing is I want us to be able to walk out of here today so convinced of this that, that you and I are convinced that it's, it's worth whatever it costs us to be able to go out and reach outsiders and bring them the wonderful message of God's grace. Okay? So, let's see what Paul wrote. And what we're going to discover is how personal passage this is, how much Paul writes about himself. And we're going to find out, you know, Paul's commitment to reach outsiders, how far he went with that commitment, and why he was willing to go as far as he went, as he went with it. So, first of all, Paul's circumstances again. Uh, verse 1, he said this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner. The prisoner. As Paul's writing this letter, he's in a Roman prison. He's waiting to find out if he's going to live or die. A decision that's going to be made by the Roman emperor himself. And so Paul is not in a good situation. Not in a good one at all. Especially if you, if you understand who this emperor is that he's going to, he's going to stand in front of. And who's going to make the decision whether he's going to live or die? Anybody want to take a guess who that emperor might be? Anybody remember who's considered one of the worst emperors over Roman em- Nero! Nero! Nero was the kind of guy who would kill his mother. In fact, he did. I mean, if you're going to kill your mother, you don't get much worse than that, right? I mean, that's pretty low. He was the guy who, when, when Rome uh, burned, big parts of Rome burned to the ground in A.D. 64, he was the guy that used Christians as the scapegoat. He said they started the fires. And, and so he, he had them imprisoned. He had them put to death. In fact, what, one of the things he did was he, had them, he, 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 had them, he would light them up in his gardens as torches to, to, to light his gardens at night. He was not a good guy. That's the guy who would decide whether Paul would live or die. And so the odds were not good. Just very quickly, this is how Paul got in the situation that he found himself in. And if you, if you go to the book of Acts in, in the New Testament, chapter 21, all the way to the end of the book of Acts, eight chapters in all, it's devoted to telling how Paul got to where he is where, as he's writing this letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And what had happened is that Paul had been out for several months and throughout the Roman Empire, telling, telling Gentiles about Jesus Christ, bringing God's, the message of God's grace to them. And, and many of them had become believers and churches were planted. And, and now he's back in the city of Jerusalem and he's meeting with the, with the leaders of the church and he's telling them everything that's happened. And, and they had a great meeting and, and, and then Paul goes to the temple. 
He goes to the temple. And when he's at the temple, there are a group of men there who heard him preaching in one of those cities, a group of men who did not believe in Jesus Christ, who were very hostile, Jewish men, who were very hostile to, toward Gentiles. And, and they see Paul at the temple, and they just go crazy with anger. And one of the things that made him so angry was that they saw this man with Paul, a man by the name of Trophimus, who was from Ephesus, who happened to be a Gentile, and they made the assumption that Paul had brought him into the temple, which was for, for Jewish people back then, which is, it, it, you just didn't do that. It's like the worst of the worst in their minds. And so they go crazy. They begin to shout to everybody around, accusing Paul of doing things that he didn't do, and what happens is the whole place goes crazy. I, you know, we've seen a lot in the last several months how, how a city can be really turned upside down, how a nation can be turned upside down when, a, when crowds of people, you know, are just filled with anger and when there's a loss of control. We've seen it in Egypt and Iran and Syria and Libya. I mean, that's what happened here. They went, people went crazy and Paul would have lost his life if the, if the Roman guards hadn't intervened. And, and, and so you have this whole thing, Paul appeals to Caesar, and he's shipped off to Rome, and now he's in prison waiting for his day in court. And you know what? Anybody could have said back then if they saw this happening to Paul, they could have said, oh, man, that is so sad, that's tragic, that's frightening. What a, I mean, if Paul dies right now when he's at the peak of his potential for serving God, what a tragic loss that would be. What a tragic thing that, that you know, if, if that kind of thing happened. And, and so here's, here's, what, here's what Paul says. Not that, Paul. Paul doesn't say, oh, it's all a big mistake. It's all tragic. It's all frightening. It's, it's, you know, I shouldn't be here. I didn't say anything like that. Instead, he, what he does is he shows us, he shows these Christians at Ephesus, man, this is exactly the right thing. This is exactly, he said, I'm trusting God and, I, and, I, and I'm thankful for the privilege. And what we discover here, and this is the thing I want to say, just take with us today as we discover the commitment that Paul has to, to reach outsiders, how far he's willing to go with it, and, and why he's willing to go that far. Now, so first of all, here's the first reason. Paul does not see himself as a prisoner of Nero. Look again at verse 1. He said, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of who? Of who? Huh? Christ Jesus, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. So the first reason that Paul is willing to suffer for telling other people about Jesus Christ and willing to even be put in prison and willing to even die, the first reason is because he's doing it for Jesus Christ. It's because of his devotion to Christ. I mean, that changes everything about his perspective. He knows why he's in prison. He, It's not because of his bad luck to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not... It's not because of the men who hated him. He's there because of his devotion to Jesus Christ. Do you all remember the word remember from last week, last Sunday? I said that in, uh, in chapters 1 and 2 and 3, the only command that you and I are given, the only thing that we're told to do is to remember Remember, remember I did that thing about if you, if you, if you got to write it on your, write the word remember on your hand or write it on your forehead. You know what? It is so good to know that people do what I ask them to do. 
So look at this, everybody. Got this email from, isn't that great? From Kara Jones. I just love that. Wrote it. So anybody else? Now, what I tried to figure out was now, did she write it backwards? Or remember my theory, you got to write it backwards if you look in a mirror. All right. So what are we supposed to remember? What are we supposed to remember? Paul tells us in chapter 2 and verse 13, he said this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We're to remember Jesus Christ dying on the cross, shedding his blood for each one of us. Now hear this, everybody. How much we love others and how eager you and I are to share our faith with other people, and how much we're willing to suffer for doing that, begins, first of all, by how much we love Jesus Christ. How much we really do love Him. See, I mean, that's what, that's what makes all the difference. That's where it all begins. Second, Paul knows he's in prison because of his desire for everybody to experience God's grace. He, he knows he's there for the men and women he's writing this letter to, for, for a whole lot of other people. And so look at this statement in verse 1. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. I don't know if you ever heard the story of Paul, but if you go to the chapter 9 in the book of of Acts, Paul um, had this encounter with Jesus Christ. And within three days after Paul became a believer in Jesus Christ, within three days he's given his assignment, his mission that carried him for the rest of his life. Jesus Christ told him that he was to be his apostle to the Gentiles. He was to go to the Gentiles with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, you know what? Everybody would have understood Paul bringing the gospel to, to Jewish people, to his own people, to the people of Israel, but nobody understood this thing of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Yeah? And, and so that's why Paul described it the way he did. And, and see if you notice the word that's repeated when we read these verses. And I'll let, if somebody can pick up on the word. See, if, if, if you pick up on which word is repeated, feel free to just to say, shout it out. Okay, say, I got it. Okay, so you all with me? Here we go. Okay, verse 2, he said, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of... Huh? God, that's it. He said, which was not made known to men and men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And then he tells us what this mystery is. And I love it. He said, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. You know what that does? It all it, it points back to what we talked about last Sunday. Outsiders becoming insiders. Gentiles who once had nothing to do 
with God, brought into a relationship with God. And so that's why Paul describes it as a mystery. He described it this way because this is something that nobody could have imagined would ever happen. Jews and Gentiles together, a part of the family of God, as brothers and sisters, people who hated each other, brought into a relationship where they're united together in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ, and then, and, 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 and shares together in all the promises that we've, that you and I can have in Jesus Christ. That's an incredible thing. That's what Paul's assignment was all about. That's what it was all about. It was to go to outsiders to bring them inside so that they could experience everything that comes with the grace of God. And it's why Paul tells the Ephesians, man, everybody, he said, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to be discouraged. And so look at this statement at the very end of verse 13. He said, I ask you, therefore, he said, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. And then he said, because it's all for your glory. It's all for your glory. It's for you ultimately to be in the presence of God. Again. Again. Here's remembering God's grace in our lives is so important. For you and me to love and care for people far from God to the point of investing ourselves in their lives. You know what it takes? It takes us remembering how far we were from God and what it took to bring us to God. After preaching last Sunday, I, I stepped down and had a conversation with Chris Ely, who was sitting over there. And, and, and you know, when you, when you preach, you always, you always have the concern. Is everybody, did, did I communicate this well enough so that, so that people got what I was saying. And, and I came down and Chris said to me, he said, you know, Steve, this whole thing of outsiders and insiders, he said, you know, sometimes I think we as Christians do that to people who are not believers. We, we look at them and we're critical of them and we look down at them and, and we judge them and we pick them apart. We find all the faults that we see in them and we don't ever spend any time with them. And I said, Chris, you got it, man, you got it. You nailed it. You made my day. I, you know, it happens all the time, everybody. You know, it's like, it's like when we first become Christians, all of our friends are not believers because we're not a believer. And then over a period of time, because we want to spend time, which we gotta, we gotta spend time with other believers to grow stronger in our relationship with Christ, but we stop spending time with people who don't share our faith in Christ. And, and in fact, Joe Aldrich many years ago did a study and he wrote a book about it where he said it takes about two years where you suddenly wake up one morning and you don't have any close friends who, who don't share your faith in Jesus Christ. You never socialize with him. You never do anything with him. You just do stuff with Christians. And this is what we got to remember is that we got to get outside of that, that, that inside box that we're in, as good as it is, and we got to get outside and, and spend time with, with outsiders. Third, Paul knows he's in prison because of the grace of God. I love this, what he writes about himself. Verse 7 and verse 8, he said... He said, I I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace 
given me through the working of his power. And then he writes this. He said, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know what, you everybody, we can know with absolute certain, certainty that Paul's not sitting in prison feeling sorry for himself. It's the very opposite. And the reason it is he's, he's so thankful is he's got this perspective on himself. He's, he describes himself as the least of the least. In fact, you know what you do? If you translate, translate this literally from the Greek, he's saying this. He's saying, he's saying I'm, I'm, although I am leaster, Leaster of all God's people. So if you want to remember who you are, just say, I'm Leaster. Okay? I am least, I'm, I am, I am, I am the least of the least. Now Paul said this about himself because you know what he did before he became a Christian? He killed Christians. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 8, it's, uh, you have the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr. And it get, you get to the end of that chapter and you find out Paul was the one who made the whole thing happen. Eh? He said, I'm the least of the least. But you know what? That's the way all of us got to see ourselves, right? Have this perspective, you know. I'm the leaster, I'm the leaster, I'm the leaster. Have this perspective and there's no way that you'd feel sorry for yourself when you suffer for your faith in Jesus Christ, and there's no way that you'd hesitate to share your faith because you might suffer for doing it. Because you, you just say, you know what? I'm the leaster. I'm the leaster. Again, something to remember. Fourth, Paul knows he's in prison. The reason he's in prison is going to result in God's glory. This is another reason he's willing to suffer. Look at this, verse 10 and verse 11. He <clears throat> he writes, boy, I got to, you know, I, I get so wound up about this stuff. Hold on a sec. All right. This is, this, this is why I decided to be a pastor in the first place. What we're talking about this morning. All of what we're talking about. And so Paul writes in verse 10 and verse 11, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, we could, we could spend a Sunday on these two verses because what, they, what they're pointing out is this this invisible supernatural realm that we can't see with our eyes, and that's that's this whole all of these angels of of God. Paul's saying that God's work of grace is multifaceted wisdom of God that makes enemies brothers and sisters in Christ. This multifaceted wisdom of God that takes people and, and, and works in their hearts to bring them from spiritual death to, to spiritual life. This wisdom of God, he's saying the angels of God are watching this. They're watching this change in human lives and they're, they're just amazed by it and they praise God for it and they're going to praise God for it for all, for all of eternity. I mean, have you ever thought about this, everybody? You and I have an audience. 
God's angels are watching us and they're amazed by what God's doing in us and what God's doing through us. And so for Paul, it's worth it. Paul, Paul would say, I'd sit in a thousand prisons for a thousand lifetimes to make this happen. Wow. Talk about motivation to share our faith with other people. In fact, I'd even say that if this doesn't motivate you, your motivator's broken. You know? I mean, what greater purpose to live for than to be able to have an impact upon this universe and bring praise to God forever because people's lives have been transformed because you and I one day had a conversation with somebody. And they understood the grace of God and and they trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior and the Spirit of God began to work in their hearts and transform them. I mean, think about that and be able to look at that person for all of eternity and realize, you know what? That may never happen if I went and had a conversation with them. Last but not least, Paul knows, knows he's in prison in the power of God. Oh, yeah, it's true, Paul's, Paul's in chains and, and he's in prison, but get this, everybody. Paul was not limited by prison bars or by prison chains. They didn't limit him at all. And he tells us why in verse 12. He said this. He said, in him, in Christ, and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. He's saying we can go to God in prayer. Here's where the confidence comes for you and I to share our faith. It's, it's not in ourselves. Paul's saying it's not in me. It's in God. It's in the power of God. It's knowing that you and I have access to God through, to God's wisdom and God's power through prayer. And so if you're sitting out here this morning and you're saying to yourself, Oh my goodness, Steve, I could never do that. I can never have a conversation with somebody where I actually talk to them about my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm I'm so inadequate for doing that. I I don't know everything I should say, and I'm not going to say it just right. And and man, I just couldn't do that. You know what I'm going to tell you? None of us can do it. None of us can do it. The only way we can do it is by is by the power of God. You know what I'm saying? It's the power of God. And, and so Steve Maltemeyer and each one of us, as we, as we look at someone we want to share our faith with and we feel inadequate in ourselves, we can just throw this prayer up to God and say, God, give me, give me the strength. God, work through me. God, give me the wisdom that I need to have this conversation. And I'll guarantee you something. God will answer your prayer. God will answer your prayer. I mean, aren't those amazing verses? I mean, it's just cooler than cool. I mean, I just, I I was sitting out here before I got up here this morning and and I was just tearing up just thinking about the privilege of being able to share this with you today. It's just so cool. (laughs) And so I've got a challenge for all of us this morning. But before I give you the challenge, I think, you know what? There's nothing better than then seeing a challenge lived out. And so remember last Sunday I had Chris Deere up here with me. And, and so today I've asked Lyle Jap to join me. And um, so we're, I'm going to have a conversation with Lyle, and you can, you can all listen in. And, um, and then I'm going to give you the challenge when Lyle and I finish, finish talking. Lyle and I have been good friends for a long time. I, 
Lyle has probably gone to Brookside uh, longer than 95% of you here. Because he started attending Brookside back in, uh, we, we talked about it, 1982, 1983, back when we were in that little shopping. Right. Yeah. Uh, center. Uh-huh. And um, Lyle also might set the record. I'm not sure. Is there anybody here today older than 85? Anybody? Look at that, Lyle. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, just... Yeah. Now, he's also got a good voice. Sitting next to you, first service? Man. Um, now, get this, everybody. Um, Lyle's serving God. He's serving God in many different ways. And one of the ways that he's serving God is this week at the Leadership Summit. He's one of our volunteers. So last Sunday, Becky is having a conversation with, with Lyle because they were doing some training for the volunteers that are, that are my wife, Becky, that is, and who are serving at the Leadership Summit. And so she was talking to Lyle, and, and, and she said to Lyle, you know, Lyle, I am so thankful to you that many years ago, back in the 80s, you gave me the opportunity to have, be able to have dinner with Chuck Colson, which Lyle did. Chuck Colson spoke at uh, one of our city's prayer breakfasts. I happened to pray for that, uh, lead the, the prayer for that service. And, and, um, and so the night before, the group of us who, are, who were sharing in that service had dinner together with, with Chuck Colson. And Becky told Lyle she was so thankful for that privilege. And then she said, you know, Lyle, you probably have met a number of people in your lifetime who who are well-known Christians and highly respected. And Lyle said, yes, I have. And, and, and then he said, but none of them had the impact on me than somebody I met in a prison. None of them had that impact, that level of impact. So hang on to that. And then Lyle also told Becky that, that he, he was in Chicago and at, a, at a, a meeting of a group of men like Chuck Colson, and one of those men asked him a question. He asked him, Lyle, what are you doing with intentionality to serve Jesus Christ and share your faith in Jesus Christ with other people? And Lyle, you said, and I'm, I'm going to let Lyle talk here, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, he's got a lot to say. So Lyle said, Lyle said, um, well, I'm an insurance guy. You worked for New York Life, didn't you? Right. Right. Still do, actually. Yes. And, and, um, and Lyle said, I'm very busy, right? You're very busy with your job and your work, and I don't want to misrepresent you here. And you said that you do talk, you know, you serve Christ at work, and it's part of your work, right? And then he said, but what are you doing with intentionality to serve Jesus Christ and to share Jesus Christ with other people? Is that right? Right. So what did you do with that? And now I'll step back. Well, sometime about... A- the previous week, I'd seen a picture in the paper of a man with a big smile. The fellow's name was Rick Sanchez, and he had volunteered to become a chaplain for Douglas County. Now, this is back in 1975. Yes. Oh, shut up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, some reason or other, I cut that out of the paper, and I put it in a, in a file. Um, don't know why, but I did. Anyway, when he mentioned about doing something intentionally at a given time, uh, I thought about this 
picture that I had cut out. And I thought, well, that may be something to look into. So when I got back to Omaha, uh, which was on a Saturday, I called this man, and he invited me to go to jail with him the next day. Now, one of the motivations, too, for my calling, uh, there was an elder in the church that I was going to. I love this. Who had, and again, in 1975, we had a lot of inflation. Interest rates were high. And a man had failed to send in withholding taxes on several occasions. And so... Our he, elders don't do that, by the way. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so he was sentenced to jail but he served in jail on weekends. And I thought, well, this reason for going was really an opportunity to visit with this man. Well, I got there, and we were at a long table, and we were just doing a Bible study. There were about a dozen people at this table. And while I'm sitting there just observing, why someone tapped me on the shoulder and kind of motioned me away from the table. Now, here was a a black man. He had a scar that started up here, went down underneath his chin. He had about every other tooth missing. He spoke with kind of a slur. I would have estimated he was probably in his 50s, somewhat ravaged by alcohol. And, and, and when Lyle said black man, this is back in the 70s, Right. he's speaking from somebody who hardly ever had a conversation with somebody from another, you know, right. phrase. This was pretty true of both whites. Realized that in the late 60s when Martin Luther King was shot, and we had riots all over the countries and burnings. We had them here in Omaha. So there was a, attention was still not gone. That's right. Not like it is today. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> this man said to me, would you help me? And my first time in jail. And so I said, I, I, I will if I can. What is it you want me to do? And he described a situation. He had a wife who was deaf and dumb. She was in a house in northeast Omaha, a big house, he said, where there's four or five families living. And he says, they're all no good. Would you go there and get my wife and take her over to my sister's house? Wow, I couldn't imagine doing that. I said, do you think I'd need the police? He says, uh, oh, I don't think so. And then dawned him, I said, wait a minute. Does your sister have a telephone? And he said, yes. And I said, how would it be if you called your sister? And I kind of give an idea of what time it might be. I'll go to her house, pick her up, take her over. Her. She can get your wife, and I'll take the two of them back to your sister's house. You think that would work? He says, yeah, I think that would work. Well, he left, and in about five minutes, he was back. He had a big smile on his face. His wife had just walked into his sister's house. And I was, you know, somewhat relieved. <laughs> I didn't think much about it, except I could not get this man off of my mind. Yeah. My first time in jail, he picks me out, a white man trusting me with his dearest possession. He didn't care about himself. He was concerned about his wife. Yeah. And I couldn't get over that. Well, this was on a Sunday afternoon. And on Tuesday night, 
Rick had a Bible study, and I said, I want to go back to the jail. I want to talk to this man. Well, I got back there, and this you won't believe. No one had ever seen such a man. Now, can you imagine how I've described him? How could you miss him? But no one there, the guards, guys in jail, he's there 24 hours a day. They had never seen such a man. Well, Scripture came to my mind, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. I swear that was an angel. It touched my life in such a way. Before that time, I was kind of in awe of somebody who was up here, kind of looked down on someone else that was lesser. But, but that was a great leveling effect. Yeah. Well, a short time later, I started taking over that service. And we'd, when you come to the jail, I, there was kind of a long uh, room, that double bunk beds that inmates were at, and they announced church. And there was kind of a something going on just kind of bed to bed. And I said to the guard, what's going on? He says, the word's out that you're okay. <laughs> now, I have been going to jails now weekly or more often for the past 36 years. 36 years, everybody. Okay? Yeah. I have never been called a phony. I've always had acceptance of, amongst the inmates. And uh, I really count it as the greatest privilege that I have. Uh, I wouldn't want to miss it. Yeah. I'm in town even on days that are holidays, Christmas, or what have you. Uh, I'll go down to the jail. Thanks, Lyle. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Yeah. Get there, everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what? I, I might just say something else. Anybody wants to know more about the jail ministry yeah, or be interested, <laughs> uh, please contact me. That's all right, man. Okay, thanks so much. You thanks bet. so much, man. I love you. Thank Somebody, you. thanks, Terry. Yeah. Okay, here's the point. I don't want us to miss it. We got to be intentional about getting out of our comfort zone to go to somebody who's on the outside to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to be intentional about it. And so I want to put a challenge in front of all of us today. And it has to do with this little chain that you're all going to get. So I'm going to ask our, our um, host to come forward. And um, you're going to hear some rattling as they do this. We picked the buckets out on purpose so you'd hear the noise. And just remember, that's what Paul heard all the time because Paul was in chains. And uh, so here's the challenge, all right? And uh, don't be distracted. Just uh, take the buckets and um, um, take a chain, all right? And just hold on to that chain, and then I'm going to tell you what to do with it in a minute. So here's the challenge. I'm calling it our E37 challenge. And I'm calling it that because I'm taking it from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, from this third chapter and from verse 7, what I hope will become a verse for every one of us here today. Paul's describing himself, but it really can be a description of each one of us. And this is what he said in 3.7, Ephesians 3.7. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. 
Okay? So here's the challenge. It's got three parts to do three things. Number one, begin praying for somebody specifically you know who's not yet a believer. And it's, it's in your bulletin, by the way, so you don't have to worry about writing, writing it out. Okay? It's, it's inside in your bulletin where you, you can take, out your, take notes. So begin praying for somebody you know who is not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. Pray for them every single day. All right? That's the commitment I'm asking. Number two, write out your testimony. Write out your spiritual journey. And for practice, share it with somebody. If you're in a life group, share it with your life group. If if you're not, share it with a... You know, a fellow believer, uh, uh, it could be a family member, whatever, but actually just go through and share with somebody else what you wrote down so you practice it, so you're ready to do it when God gives you the opportunity to do it. Now, if you've never written your testimony, what we're going to do on Wednesday, we're going to have on our website, Brookside's website, some guidelines, a format you can follow on how to write your testimony. So you can check that out. And then number three... Invest yourself in the person that you're praying for. Okay? Spend time together with them. All right? Actually spend time with them. Have them over to your home for a, for a meal. Go to a movie with them. Whatever it is, spend time. Not just once, but really begin to develop a re- relationship. And then, by Thanksgiving... Share your faith in Jesus Christ with that person where you actually, I mean, you actually open your mouth and you actually explain to them how you became a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's my challenge. Now, why I'm giving you this three-link chain is what I'd like you to do is if you got a keychain, put it on your keychain so every time you're driving your car, you're seeing this and it's going to remind you of this challenge. All right? And the reason, it, the reason it's a chain is because to remind you that Paul was in prison. He was in chains. That's how much he was willing to pay for doing that. And then secondly, you notice it's got three parts, three links. And that's to remind you of this challenge to do these three things. All right? Boy, I hope you do this. All right? I mean, this is is big. (laughs) Okay? So let's let's stand and, and let's pray. Okay? And if by any reason you didn't get one of these chains, uh, you can get one at the door as you go out. Our hosts will have them. Okay? Let's, let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm asking you this morning that your Holy Spirit would just penetrate us with the desire and the will and strengthen us, Father, with your power that will do what, we're t- what I'm talking about this morning that, Father, we'll, we'll take up this challenge all the way, that we'll do it totally. Father, I, I ask that your Holy Spirit will not let us forget this. I ask that you'll use this chain and whatever else you, you can put in front of us to keep reminding ourselves that this is such a big part of what it's all about to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not to stay on the inside, but God, it's to get on the outside to bring this wonderful message of your grace to outsiders so they can experience everything that, that's possible in your grace. Father, I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right, everybody, just have a great week. and.
We'll see you. All right.